Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we're feeling it. If this is your first time joining us. Welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. All right, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. All right, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat them up. Enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Feeling It. Each week on this show, we like to share what pieces of pop culture we're really feeling, whatever show, movie, song, or tech we just can't get out of our heads. Um, So we're going to be doing that today, and in addition to those things, uh, this week we'll be talking about a little bit of pop culture news and Marvel's newest movie, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. But before we get started with all of that, let's introduce ourselves, and when we do, answer the question... What's your favorite candy bar? And bonus points if one of you guys would pick Milky Way because then there's a galaxy tie-in and I'm thematically on point. So not to influence your pick. but Yeah, well, you're not influencing my pick. I'm Lucas Schreider, <laughs> designer from the Bay Area, and my favorite candy bar are the Holiday Reese's because they're better than the regular Reese's Cups. So, so like, like the, the Christmas tree, the Easter egg, those Reese's. There's more. The peanut butter to chocolate ratio is just better. I'm Sandra Amstutz. I'm a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee, and my favorite candy bar is a Snickers. Um, sometimes you laugh in Guardians of the Galaxy, so Snickers is the closest I can get to helping you out there with that, Lawson. That was really kind of you. I appreciate it. I'm Lawson Soward. I'm an art director also in Nashville, Tennessee, and my favorite candy bar is an Almond Joy. So, so you had nothing either. You had I had nothing. nothing. I was relying on you. Sandra <sighs> came through. Lucas did not. Sounds like a pretty typical day. <laughs> Just about. So. <laughs> to be clear, nobody's nobody's favorite candy is a Milky Way. Oof, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I want to know what you guys have been listening to, watching. Sandra, what are you feeling? Okay, guys, it's about to get real emotional over here. Uh-oh. I'm just going to turn off my headphones for I... a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so I wasn't even sure if I was going to talk about this this week because honestly, it's hard to talk about something that means this much to me. Um, I am a huge One Direction fan. And part of being a huge One Direction fan, at least in my opinion, is that um, you love all of the boys, because there is no weak, weak link in One Direction. They're all incredible and charming and talented in different ways. And I feel bad even saying this because of that reason, but I do have a favorite, and that favorite is Harry Styles, and Harry Styles came out with an album this weekend. Um, I was heavily anticipating this album because I do believe that Harry Styles is the most magnetic, talented, mysterious, um, interesting person in One Direction, a band I care about very much. Um, So I was really excited for what a solo outing for Harry Styles would look like. Um, He is, I think, so interesting. He's like this old soul with very modern sensitivities, and I, I love him so much. Um, I'm going to be saying that several times throughout this, so just get ready for that. Um, So his album came out this weekend. I listened to it as soon as I woke up, and I listened to it straight through. And um, listening to it straight through, again, because I love him so much, 
I could never say anything bad about it. Um, but I did get hit with this realization that this genre of music that he is deciding to make on his own is not a genre of music I typically listen to. Um, I'm going to throw out a bunch of musicians' names that I'm going to compare him to, and I just want it to be known, I don't know a ton about music. These are things that I've heard other people compare him to, and so I'm not saying he's as good as these other artists or that he's on the same level. I'm just, you know, these are kind of the references that I know of. Um, I've heard some people describe, like, his first single, Sign of the Times, as very, like, Bowie-esque. Um, I've heard other people describe this album as kind of similar to, like, Beck or um, uh, a little bit of uh, John Mayer on certain songs. Uh, to me, certain songs sound very classic rock, which, again, is not a genre I'm opposed to, but it's not one that I listen to a lot. Um, so I listened to the album all the way through and was not disappointed by the music, but also wasn't sure whether I was going to be obsessed with it or not. And then I got to the final song. And the final song on this album is called From the Dining Table. And it thematically fits in with the rest of the album, but the sound is a little bit different. To me, it sounded a little bit more like something I'm more familiar with, something like Sufjan Stevens, um, who's an artist I really love. And... This song really won me over. Woke up alone in this hotel room Played with myself, where were you? Fell back to sleep, I got drunk by noon I've never felt less cool We haven't spoke since you went away Comfortable silence is so overrated Why won't you ever be the first one to break Even a phone misses your call By the way And I think that song just gets better and better as it goes on By the end of it, there's these beautiful strings that are accompanying him Um I, it really was a showstopper for me. Um, and I did fall in love with it the very first time I heard it. Now that I've gotten a chance to listen to his album a second and a third time, now that I know what the genre of music he's making, I've started to love it a lot more. There are certain songs that really stand out to me. Um, Kiwi is one of my favorite ones. It's fun and dirty and sexy. Um, I think uh, Woman is really interesting and Two Ghosts is also just, like, very good. It's, like, solid and well-written. Um, I'm really impressed with this album. And I am planning on listening to it, like, several more times. Um, and just really, like, sinking myself into Harry Styles' music. Uh, he's coming to Nashville in the fall. And I got one of the very few tickets that are available. And I'm very, very excited about it. That is like a Willy Wonka golden ticket. That sold out in like 30 seconds. It did. It I, sold out in, yeah, about 30 seconds. Um, I got one ticket and um, I've been looking in my city on like what they're going for on StubHub. And last time I checked, the cheapest tickets were at like $750 um, on StubHub. So it's really like, I really do feel like just so incredibly lucky to have one ticket. That's amazing. Yeah, I've listened to this album this week 
and I wasn't that interested. I have never been a One Direction fan. Um, what's 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 the term for a One Direction fan? One Deers? One Directioner. One Directioner. Or, or just a Directioner. A Directioner. All right. Yeah. Cool. I've never been a Directioner, but uh, Harry Styles did an amazing job on Saturday Night Live, and it was enough to make me interested in listening to this album. And I was, granted, I was listening while I was working, so I wasn't giving it the full attention that I could have, but I really enjoyed it. I mean, I think I grew up listening to a lot of the, the classic rock. I, I um, totally see all of the comparisons that you're making and talking through there, and I, you know, that is my kind of style of music, and I, I would not have expected to enjoy a Harry Styles album, but it's it's really good, and it's something that I'm going to be giving more listens to. Mm-hmm. I, I listen to it as well. It, um, yeah, definitely not my jam, but I never thought any of the One Direction kids were talented, so this actually changed my mind on that. He's actually really good. He's just not my style, but you're right. That, that last song, when I was listening to it, when that came on, I was like, oh, maybe I could like this album, and then I saw the last song, so I'd already listened to everything else, but, right. <laughs> um, I, but I, I, I really do like that last song, and I really, do, like, listening through it uh, for a second time, I realized, like, he, he is very talented, very yeah, talented. I will give him that. He's incredibly talented. I've always said, like I said, I love all of the boys, but Harry Styles and Zayn have easily the best voices of the group. Um, They both, I think, have just like these amazing tones. They can hold long notes for very long in a way that the other boys can't. And um, it's so interesting to see the two different paths that each of them have headed on since this, since the ending of One Direction. Um, I think that Harry Styles is going to, like, he already is a major star, but I really kind of just think this is just the beginning. Like, he, like I said, we have his first acting um, role is coming out this summer in Dunkirk. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's going to be playing a major part in that movie, but just to have him getting his feet wet and getting started, um, this is a, a really big year for him. Yeah, it's so interesting that there some new Haim songs that came out recently and one of them had this paul thomas anderson directed music video where it was like a live performance and it was really raw and i i liked that but the live performance wasn't that great and then i listened to the studio recording that dropped on spotify and it was amazing i completely fell in love with the song and it was kind of the opposite for harry styles like whenever i listened to his first single on spotify i thought to myself i don't you know this is fine but whenever I saw him perform that live, it was so compelling that it like gave me that juice to like give that kind of having that in the back of my head while listening mm-hmm. to the the album. And it's just yeah, I I think you're right. Like even if listening to the stuff on first glance, not knowing about it personally, uh, he's just he's a very magnetic presence. Well, and this week he's doing um, an entire week on James Corden's Late Late Show. Um, So he's going to be on the Late Late Show every single night this week. And for the first night, he performed one of his singles. I'm curious if he's going to be performing a song every single night or not. Um, But he's in for a whole week of like really fun bits with James Corden. Didn't Timberlake do that back in the day? He did that with Fallon. That's right. Yeah. Please don't say he's the next Justin Timberlake. No one said that. I know. I'm just saying. Sorry. Just no, saying. Sandra, were you going to say that? I'm not trying to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he is in a way. I mean, I wouldn't say that, but I also wouldn't disagree with that statement. 
Um, I, I, I can see the parallels. Yeah. I just... I, I, I think he has a lot of differences from Justin Timberlake. I think he's much more... Um, like I said, I think he's an old soul. I think he is um, a little bit more cheeky and less goofy, you know? Um, and so I think they're per- they have differences in personalities. Um, and so, I, I, yeah, I'm interested to see where he goes. Very cool. Well, thank you so much, Sandra. Lucas, what are you feeling this week, my man? This week I put together a list of all the movies that I haven't seen yet that I absolutely needed to see. And am embarrassed that I haven't seen yet. Um, and I posted it on Letterboxd so that it would force me to go through and watch these movies and remove them <laughs> from this list. And the first movie that I removed from the list is Broadcast News. Have you guys seen Broadcast News? So Olivia, good. I'm yeah. so yes, glad I love you it. watched this movie. I love this movie. It's 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 so good. It's amazing. And it's it's one of the ones on, on that list that I'd probably heard about the least, but everyone who talked about it talked about it with such passion <laughs> that I thought, I'm, I'm just going to kick it off. Let's Let's do it. Um, so if you haven't heard of Broadcast News, it's a 1980, let me look it up. 1987. Um, it's a 1987, would you guys call it a rom-com? I mean, I wouldn't call it a rom-com. I think it's a little bit bigger than just, the story's bigger than just the romance. I, I agree, but I feel like it's what a rom-com should be in my head. Like okay. this is, this is the epitome of 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 what every rom-com should aspire to be, is a bigger story than just being about, um love triangle or whatever but in this story um it is a love triangle involving holly hunter as a tv news producer whose best friend uh played by albert brooks who is incredible um he plays a brilliant reporter who's extremely frustrated that um that in tv news appearance really is everything and that is personified by William Hurt, who plays a great-looking anchor who knows absolutely nothing, has zero working knowledge of journalism, but he's very self-aware of his weakness, which I think is really interesting, and um, just uh, it's all about just the play in those three people's relationships and kind of how that um, intertwines with their job and their home life, and um, it's it's incredible how much goes into this movie, and just the the emotional landscape is all over the place, and it's it's, I think, one of the epitomes of '80s movies, um, in the in the fact that there is just a lot of over the top ridiculousness that you don't see a lot anymore. Um, but I loved it. It's so good. It's so well written, uh, so well directed. Everybody in it is perfect. Lawson, I, I didn't remember you. You you, you said you, you had seen it, right? I it, here is what I will say. I need to issue an addendum to me having. <laughs> I've seen it because I thought you were referring to the 1976 film Network, which is a very different movie. Very yes. different movie. Very different movie. And I was like, I like when you were like, would you call it a rom com? I was like, in no way would I call this a rom com. <laughs> um, so no, I have not seen. Uh, okay, you yeah, you need to watch this. It's, you need to watch this movie. Holly Hunter okay. is just so magnificent in that movie. It's so true. Um, I mean, I yeah, I I love. I've only seen it once, and it's been a while since I've seen it. But I do remember just falling in love with it. Um, there's a Lawson. Did you watch the Sorkin show, The Newsroom? Yes, loved. I mean, there, it was complicated, but I loved that show overall. Yeah, there's a great reference to broadcast news in the newsroom where. Allison Pill's character has mm-hmm. to like run tape to the newsroom. Yeah. She's like, I'm going to have my broadcast news moment. And it's like this very iconic scene from broadcast news. Yes. Okay. Yes. Awesome. 
I am definitely going to watch it based on that. Go ahead. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's on it's on HBO. So if anybody has HBO, watch it there. Perfect. Um, it's available streaming. This movie was nominated for seven Oscars and lost every one of them, oh. um, which is so sad. But I I love, love Albert Brooks in everything he's in and everything he directs and writes. This is one of the few things he's in that he didn't have a hand in in any other way. Um, but he gives a tremendous performance as Holly Hunter's best friend. And I, man... Man, it hit me hard. It's such a good movie. Yeah. And Holly Hunter has another movie coming out this summer. So it'll be fun. It's fun to it would be fun to watch broadcast news and then go see the big sick later this summer to see Holly Hunter True. And now. Yeah. Awesome. I yeah, I can't wait for the big sick. And thank you guys so much. This sounds like such a pleasant movie to watch, unlike Network. So True. Um, <laughs> I mean I loved Network, but yeah, that's great. Well, cool. Um so what I'm feeling this week is a new podcast from the Crooked Media um, Media Empire uh, called Pod Save the People. Have you guys listened to this? I have subscribed, but I haven't listened to it yet. I just am catching up on other things, and I haven't gotten to around to it yet. I have also not listened to it. Ah, it is so good. It is hosted by... Dre McKesson, who is an activist from uh, Baltimore, used to be an educator, and he's like really involved in the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, he's one of the few people Beyonce follows on Twitter. Um, and he's great. He's just an incredible leader, an incredible voice in this conversation. And it was really a needed voice uh, within the crooked media uh, empire. And it's become one of the ones that I most look forward to listening to. Um, the perspective that he gives is just so important. I mean, the more I think about, uh, you know, just kind of the general uh, place we're at in American politics right now, like it's really hard. It's uh, the day-to-day life of being informed and staying on top of the news is is rough, but it just so much of it comes down to a sense of perspective and what narrative you're following. And I think that you know, you can look at American history in a lot of different ways and you can look at what's happening right now in a lot of different ways. Um, and the perspective that DeRay and the host that he brings onto this podcast uh, bring are so important and aren't being brought up by um, the three white New England guys who I love, but um, who are hosting the majority of the rest of these things. So... I just really want to recommend this podcast. I adore it. Um, there's a ton of Crooked Media podcasts at this point. Um, if you're looking just for entertainment, then go to Love It or Leave It. If you're looking to hear really interesting conversations between people with different views, uh, you can try out with friends like these. But if you have to narrow it down to just one Crooked Media podcast, I would honestly say this is the one to listen to. Um, you know, I still listen to a bunch of other ones, great information coming into all of them, but it can be really overwhelming. And I think you can get a lot of the information that those other podcasts give you already through, um, you know, the way that the news media is already coming out. But a lot of these, uh, stories that are being talked about on this podcast are, uh, stuff that isn't being talked about in the mainstream media because they, uh, disproportionately affect 
people of color and people that are marginalized. And it's a situation where there's so much Trump crap going on right now that uh, this stuff is really getting pushed to the back burner. And if uh, this stuff and Trump stuff happen to overlap, then great, you'll hear about it. But um, most of the time, this is the stuff that you're not hearing about that really is fundamental to the levels of injustice that uh, lay a foundation for the rest of our country's um, challenges. You know, like if we really truly believed that all people were created equal and treated people that way and reckoned with uh, the history of slavery and of racial inequality and of all this stuff that is so hard with our country and really felt like that was the lens through which we viewed everything, then I think everything that we did uh, as a country going forward would be really different or at least have a really different spirit behind it. So because that's not the case and because this isn't a voice you hear a lot, I super highly recommend listening to Dre's podcast. And he also recently interviewed Edward Snowden, um, which I think is a great entry point. It's a really fascinating conversation. They kind of trade stories about being uh, surveilled by the United States government. So um, it's fascinating. Edward Snowden has a lot of really interesting stuff to say in general, but also about um, the intersection of race and surveillance. Um, and they actually, it happened pretty recently, so they talk a lot about all this Comey stuff too. So I say check it out. Very cool. Awesome. There's a there's a lot of those crooked media podcasts. There's a ton. <laughs> it's, I haven't I, made it through to all of them yet. I think there's yeah, six now. Yeah, I can't now. keep up with them now. Six is six is a lot. Yeah, six is a bu- and they're all weekly, and one of them is twice weekly. Yeah, like it's bananas. Yeah. So uh, don't feel like you have to keep up with all of them. Ditch one of the other ones for this. That's I what do. I say. I probably will. <laughs> all right. Um, let's talk about Guardian. biggest movie or one of the biggest movies the summer it came out and it came out in august of that year however many years ago it was the number two movie that year yeah and it had so much less of a runway than all the other big blockbusters that they had banked on so this summer they got their early may release um and they are already on course to break a billion dollars people are predicting that so it's doing extremely well in the box office um it's been, from what I've seen, the press has been largely good, um, but we both had a chance, or we all had a chance to see this uh, over the past week during our break, and yeah, what did you guys think of it? Without spoiling anything, what were your initial impressions? Lucas, you are, uh, <laughs> Lucas, you have read a lot of the comics, um, some of the after credit scenes might have made more sense to you, uh, what was your impression of the movie overall? Yeah, I've actually never read a Guardians of the Galaxy comic. Um, oh, okay. Never. Um, so, but a lot of um, there's a lot of crossover. So they they end up in other people's comics sometimes. Um, but I really was not nervous about this movie, but I I wasn't. I I was curious how they were going to handle 
a sequel like this. Um, because yeah. you have a lot of Marvel stuff coming up um, and how and a lot of their stuff is now starting to tie back into each other and things like that. And so I was I was curious how much tie in there was going to be. And I'm was super pumped at how little there was. I don't know if we want to talk about that as a spoiler or not. I don't think that's a big spoiler. Okay, yeah. Yeah, for the most part, this is a standalone movie. And by standalone, I mean it's a sequel to a previous movie. <laughs> but as far as the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, there's there's not a lot of a crossover, which I, I thought was really refreshing. The Last Guardians of the Galaxy I rewatched last week, um, and it is funny. It is very funny, but it, there's also a lot of plot. This one, I think, really doubled down on the jokes. And some jokes were... I think rehashes from the original movie. Um, and some are just brand new and a ton of fun. I think they introduce some interesting characters in this movie that a lot of our characters have a ton of fun with and that you can do a lot of interesting things in the future with. So. Yeah. But I loved it. I thought it was a great movie. Really excited. Great. Sandra, what were your impressions? This movie was just like simply a fun time. Um, I definitely like the first one a lot more, um, but I don't have like any major complaints about this movie. It's very middle of the road for me as far as like a Marvel movie is concerned. Um, visually, I thought this movie was incredible. I love what Guardians of the Galaxy does with costuming and world building and CGI and makeup. Um, I just think they do really interesting stuff and I, I love seeing all the possibilities that they come up with um storytelling I thought it was like decent the humor this time around didn't hit me as hard as it did the first time around and uh, I think that that is no, I'm with you on that Sandra I think that it's mostly because um they're playing up a lot of similar jokes that they did in the first one it's like they found like a joke that they could just hit the same note like 10 times throughout this film. And they just like, just kept hitting that same note. Um, and so it, it didn't make me laugh as much, but there were definitely parts of it that I did think were hilarious. Um, it's just, it just felt a little like I've seen all this, this stuff before. Um, one thing that I thought was that really struck me about this film was like I said, I had a, a, a decent time, but there were some, like, shifts in tone that kind of threw me off. And what I'm referring to is that some certain moments would get very dark and violent. Uh, like, much more violent than I can remember most Marvel movies being. Um, and then other moments would feel very, like, wacky and, like, kids' humor. Um so we would get yeah. certain moments where I was like, "Is are we watching Saturday morning cartoons? Like, what is happening here? And then all of a sudden you get, like, this very, like, dark mass murder. And then um, that shift between those two didn't really work for me. Um, luckily, though, I do love all the characters in these movies. And I think they did a really good job in this film of building up these characters, building the relationships between these characters up in a way that keeps me invested in this specific part of the franchise. Um, so like, I'm excited to see the next guardians of the, of the galaxy movie because of the character work they've done in this one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally agree. I, to me, you guys both 
made such great points, and I agree with so much of what y'all said. I don't want to uh, rehash that. But, Sandra, what you're kind of talking about with the shifts in tone, to me felt like a really... Uh, it felt like the PG-13 of it all. Like, I don't know if it's because I've seen Deadpool and Logan and movies like this now, but I got the impression several times throughout this movie that it was, you know, there's baby Groot dancing around everywhere and he's adorable, but then there's these times where characters are, you know, swearing all the time. It's like really dark and violent and not just irreverent, but very truly dark. And it felt like a movie that could have moved into that R territory, like could have been dark humor, all of its adult, all of its completely over that edge but instead kept in this PG-13 area where they could still uh, advertise, you know, sell baby Groot dolls and all that kind of stuff, which kind of just threw me. I agree. I think the tone was was really unbalanced at certain parts. Um, there's also kind of a, a lull, I felt like, in the pacing in the middle of the movie. It kind of slowed down before the final act picked up, and I, the final act I thought was incredible, um, but it got into a little bit of uh, a pacing issue there for me, and then the final issue that I had with the movie was, it was a similar issue to what I've had with the original Thor film, um, and I didn't really have this as much with the first Guardians movie, but uh, especially when it comes to, not to give too much away, but when the, uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy land on a planet on which they spend most of the time uh, in the film, there's, uh, it's really beautifully done, and uh you can tell that there was a ton of art design that went into it, but it's it doesn't feel, none of it really feels tangible or grounded, a lot of the same way that um, Asgard, while it's so shiny and gold and glistening, uh, can just feel like uh, triangles in a computer a lot of times. So I just, I had that issue with it as well because that was, and only because that was a place that they spent so much time. Um, there were other elements of that planet that, they realized in completely unique and incredible ways, and we'll get into that more in spoilers, but um, those are my issues, and I just, getting those out of the way, though, I had a lot of fun at this movie, and I thought they did a really good job, even though I said, like, it slowed down in the middle. Like, they took their time in this movie for relationships, and that's not something that you see a ton mm -hmm. in these movies that have to have so much plot. Totally. Um, one of the things I love about this is there's about as many members in the Guardians of the Galaxy as there are in the Avengers, but in the Avengers you get there's always so much plot and so much like franchise building in those films that you don't get to spend as much time as a movie like this movie does on that interpersonal relationship, building out the characters, getting to see how people feel with each other, kind of the family dynamics that are going on. Um, when the Avengers movies do that, it is always like some of my favorite scenes in those movies, but this uh, film had a bunch of it, and I really appreciated that. Um, yeah, I think I think what you're what you're saying with the kind of how it gets a little weird in the middle um, is is that it is like in most movies you have a plot goal that everybody's trying to get to for the end of the movie, and in the second act here we really don't up until pretty late in the second act, and. Right. Um, they use that time really well to establish, you know, character dynamics and character and kind of not new character relationships, but uh, pairings of characters that, that you didn't get to see in the last movie and that kind of thing. And I, I really liked that, but I totally see where, where you're coming from with where it felt a little like it stalled a little bit in the middle. Yeah, but at, at 
you know, talk out of one side of my mouth saying that on the other side of like, I enjoyed getting more of those character beats. Um, and yeah, the end was so, uh, emotional and, uh, and well done. And I really, I just, I really enjoyed this movie. I, I think I'm with you, Sandra. I think I enjoyed the first one more. Um, but it's a great film and it builds these characters. It builds their relationship and it, they continue to be a group of characters that I want to spend my time with. Um, and I think that's some of the biggest praise you can give a movie like this is they didn't spend the whole time just building sequels. It's very much a movie within itself. But at the end of it, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll spend another two hours with these guys for sure. Mm-hmm. So It also felt to me like a director's movie. Like this is very much a James Gunn movie. Um, that's true. Whereas, which which makes me excited because I'm really excited about the the directors that are coming up on Marvel's slate. Um, so if they're in the past, they I don't feel like they've really been able to give um, the directors a lot of room to maneuver. Um, but in this one, in this one they did, in the first one they did, and I guess with, with Thor, we'll see whether this is a a new Marvel thing or if this is just it because it's guardians and it doesn't really have to, um, connect or have the same feeling as, as all the other Marvel movies. Um, whether that's a thing or not. Yeah. So if you guys were to rank this in your order of Marvel films, obviously there's so many at this point, so it's hard to say for sure, but do you have kind of a generalized ranking of where this falls for you within the Marvel cinematic universe? Like, would it make your top five? Oh, no. Yeah, like top five. It would five. not make your top five? No, not at all. Not top Ooh. five, not bottom five? Um, I don't or, know. Do you what think my, it would be bottom five? I don't know what my bottom five are. There's a bunch of those in the middle that just kind of wash out. Like yes. The Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2 and 3, like I, Thor the Dark World. Like I don't care about those. Those were not standouts at all. This would definitely be in my top five. What are your top five? Yeah. The ones that are in my top five are Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Captain America, Winter Soldier, um, the Avengers, Iron Man, and probably Guardians of the Galaxy 1. Those are in my top five in some specific order. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Guardians of the Galaxy is definitely my top five, but I don't know about this one. I feel like Guardians and even like the second Captain America movie both did really interesting, cool things. Like this might, you know, it might be five. I don't know, mm-hmm. but it's Would not. You- would you guys say it's your favorite sequel? No. No, Winter Soldier is my favorite sequel. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I, and I, I might need to think about this more, but if I'm just doing a quick off the top of my head in no mm-hmm. specific order um, of these five, I'm going to say my top five are Winter Soldier, Civil War, Avengers 1, uh, Iron Man 3, Guardians 1. Okay. I really loved okay. Iron Man 3. Iron Man 3 is great. That'd probably be my number six. Yeah, mine would be very similar. Winter Soldier, in no particular order, Winter Soldier, Civil War, Guardians of the Galaxy, Avengers 1, and yeah, so like maybe this is five. I also really liked Ant, or the original Iron Man, so mm-hmm. I don't know. It's hard, but I, that to say, I feel like that kind of makes our general consensus that this movie is definitely good, not amazing yeah um and maybe the person that liked it the most was lucas i really liked it i don't want to make it sound like i didn't but I would, lucas it sounds like you enjoyed it more than the two of us I oh totally i definitely it, did <laughs> to me i think you're either in on marvel movies or you're not like by this point yeah you're either following the storyline of all of these movies that are congealing into one storyline 
or you're not. And if you are, then you're not going to be like super disappointed when you go see this movie. You're going to stay up to date on the story. You're going to have a decent time on a summer's day. Um, if you're not into Marvel, then you have no business seeing this movie. Really? Because I feel like this has nothing to do with Marvel at all. Like this I is th- this is the closest to a standalone movie that we're gonna get out of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But you could watch I'm, Guardians one and two and not see any other Marvel. I movies. I agree that like continuity wise that you could do that. But what what kind of movie viewer is like? Ugh, I'm not into those Marvel movies. But the Guardians movies, however. That's what I, I I will show up for that. I just don't That's know true. who that is. I think the casual viewer. I think lots of people don't know or don't really care that it's one continuous storyline that all of these interweave or anything like that. They're just, hey, I saw the first Guardians. That was super cool. I'm going to see the second one. Not having that, seen Doctor Strange or Civil War or anything like that. I just think I that, think that's totally possible, but these are some of the most comic booky of these movies. Right, that's my thing, you know, is that like, the other Marvel movies are so much more accessible than the Guardians movie are. Um, I know the Guardians was a huge hit and it made a ton of money, but I, I just don't see that... I just don't imagine that there are people that love these movies that don't like the regular Marvel movies. Mm, yeah, mm. I don't know. I mean that, and that's just a theory. You know, I don't have any. Yeah. I don't have any no. stats to yeah. back that up. No, no. I mean that definitely makes sense. Like, if you're the kind of person who's like, I don't really like superhero movies. Why are you more likely to enjoy a superhero movie with five aliens, one of which is a raccoon? Like, <laughs> so. I, I just think the the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe gets a little bogged down and a little heavy, and these don't. These are lighter, more fun, and I think because of that, you're going to get more casual viewers jumping in on these movies than the other ones. I mean, yeah, I, I could see that. I could see that. I could, I'll tell you what I could definitely see. I could see 20 years from now or whatever, whenever there's a jillion Marvel movies <laughs> and people don't care. There could be people who are just fans of the Guardians movies, and that's it. Sure. <laughs> like... Oh yeah, I guess those are a whole bunch, and we, you know, I didn't really care for those, but I did like these. Like mm-hmm. people who just show their kids the Guardians movies because of how much how great they think Groot is and that kind of yeah. thing. I don't know. So, are you interested in seeing these guys merge with the Marvel Cinematic Universe at all? Yeah, I'm interested in seeing how that plays out. Um, I like that they're kind of in their own little corner of mm-hmm. the universe, and. After they link up, I would love for them to redisperse. But I think it'd be great to see, you know, Star Lord and Groot and uh, all of these characters show up and interact with, you know, Robert Downey Jr. Here's my thing. Yeah, man. I don't care about seeing these characters interact with the rest of our Marvel characters. What I do care about is finally getting past this. Thanos as this over like arching villain throughout we I just hear the name Thanos like every other movie that we watch with all these Marvel movies and I'm ready to be past this storyline already like I'm ready for (laughs) these infinity stones to keep like having references to them I'm I've just it's been referenced a lot and I get that. I understand why. I understand that, that they're all coming together at some point. And that's what connects everything. But um, I'm just ready for some resolution. Yeah, totally. Oh, yeah. I completely agree. It's so funny to me. I mean, I was excited about this, and I've been excited about all the Marvel movies coming out. But I am so tired 
like you of this like i just want infinity war to happen right (laughs) yeah even if that movie sucks i'll just be like thank goodness that's over yeah in a place where it's like i could stop watching marvel movies now if i wanted to yeah i wonder if i would be feeling this way if thanos was a more interesting villain to me you know like yeah at this point we've you know we've seen him a couple of times and we've had him referenced a couple of times and i don't know much more about him than like he's a big bad guy in space and that he you know treated these two young women awfully um and it makes me not like the character as far as like you know i i'm rooting against him that's for sure but there's nothing that really seems unique about him yet. Um, Like, you know, Loki is a villain that I've loved. um, And part of that is because of what Tom Hiddleston brings to the character. Also some of the, like just the sliminess, but also charm that the character of Loki has, um, I think makes him really, really interesting. And right now Thanos is just like a big booming voice. Um, So yeah, I, I I'm wondering if, there was something more unique about Thanos or once we get to know Thanos more as a character, whether we will be as like, um, like annoyed with him as we are now or not annoyed, but like ready to get through it. So what I'm hearing is you guys have Marvel fatigue. Finally. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, A little. Yeah, I think so. Okay. All right. It happens. It's done. Yeah. You guys have it. Yeah. I want you guys to revisit guardians of the galaxy volume two in like six months. And tell me what you think again, because I, I think you guys are going to like this movie more than you do right now. <laughs> okay, I don't think so. I don't think my Marvel fatigue is affecting my opinion of this movie. I think I do have Marvel fatigue, but I do think a lot of the issues I had with this movie, like the humor shifts and like the overplaying of certain jokes, I will also have if I watched it later on. I, th- I think I what I think. There. I think those are there, but I think you'll be more forgiving. Of it. Like, like I, I, I totally get it. Get like the. There, there's a certain joke that that they use. I, I feel like we can say it. The fact, the fact that Drax is super literal and isn't very thinking yeah, of people's feelings. Yeah, I'm over it. Like that. I'm over, I'm over Drax. You're over Drax. See, Drax is great. Drax is super great. They, th- yes, they over, they overplayed the joke in this in this movie. Yeah. But he is a great character. I mean, I'm sure <laughs> yeah. he is, but the overplaying of this joke is making me sick of him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. My, I am anxious to watch guardians one followed by guardians two because when i went into this movie and everyone just started doing things i was like why aren't you reminding me about these relationships and it was great that they didn't now that i'm thinking about it Mm -hmm. you know like they didn't rehash they didn't waste time on that and they took the relationships to a new place rather than reacquainting you with this stuff but it made me realize like oh i kind of forgot like what everyone's deal was because i haven't watched this since i watched guardians in 2014 or whatever it was so yeah i think if i watch guardians one again i will probably enjoy this more so that is something i would recommend if you've made it this far through all of our marvel fatigue whining that um you're interested in seeing this i would watch guardians one before you go see it yeah i don't think that's i think that's good advice definitely all right all right any other final things we want to talk about before we jump into spoilers i don't have a ton to talk through in spoilers but i do want to make sure we talk on, talk on a few things i've got so many spoilers yeah me too all right all right cool before we get started does anyone want to get out are you paying attention it's your last chance to walk away let me tell you what's gonna happen now 
cracking gas. Spoilers! Remember, you wanted this. Can I start off this conversation by saying, um, you know, when we get to the final battle scene, um, I can feel in my gut that someone's gonna die. You know, um, mm-hmm. just like I mean, because Marvel does this. You know, they they make you fall in love with the character, and they kill one character off so that every so that what? What do you mean? No, they don't. Marvel, Marvel doesn't kill anybody. Marvel does this Mar- all the time. What? Yeah. Marvel kills one character that you got introduced to in the, in the singular film, but no one from the extended universe. I didn't say from the extended universe. I said they introduce they they make you fall in love with the character. And then they kill them off. This happens. Name one. Holson. Quicksilver. Name another one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 not, I have to go through all the movies and think about who they all are. But yeah, they do this. I'll give you Colson. <laughs> and Quicksilver? You're not going to give me and Quicksilver? Quicksilver? No, nobody actually liked Quicksilver. Okay, speak Quicksilver's for yourself. <laughs> um, all that to say is during that final battle... Um, I really did think that they were going to kill either Mantis or um, Gamora's sister. What's her name? Um, Nebula. 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 Um, I really thought they were going to kill one of the two women, one of the two female side characters, um, Mm -hmm. because both of them would have just been really heartbreaking, but also like would have pushed other characters stories through. Um, mm-hmm. and they're also not part of the main team, you know, and, yep. um, I just want to say that I'm really, really glad that they didn't kill either of those two characters, um, because this franchise definitely needs more women. Um, you know, it suffers yep. from the same thing that a lot of action movies do, where it's a team of guys with one lady. And now, even though Mantis, it seems like might be part of the team, um, and Nebula isn't like fully part of the team but she's definitely going to reappear i would assume in mm-hmm. further storylines um introducing more women into this franchise and keeping them there i think is a really mm-hmm. great move and so i'm very excited that they didn't fall into that trap and instead um went with like a different death route that i thought was a really really compelling storyline totally it was so affecting yeah the father, the father death sequence is is great. Just the 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 whole. I mean, this whole time he's trying to find his dad, and having both his dads die at the end. Yeah. Is, was really rough. Right. Yeah. Oh my gosh, the living planet thing like was so ambitious, so ambitious, and I was so impressed that I got it. You know, because like I heard like, oh, Star Lord's dad is a planet. I knew that from the comic books, but like, how the hell are you going to pull that off in a movie? And it was so comic booky and so sci-fi and so crazy, but I felt like they explained it in a way to where I, I was tracking with it. And I thought it was, there were some beautiful visualizations of it and some really cool kind of ideas that they explored. I thought they could have paid it off more. I thought they could have grounded the world more, like I said. But in general, I was super impressed by not only, uh, oh, what's his name? Russell. Kurt Russell, yes. Not only Kurt Russell's performance, but by the way that they tied that in and like a couple times where they showed a storm brewing on the planet's surface that made it look like his face and just all of these subtle and then grandiose things that they did to make that world come together, I thought were super cool. Can I? Yeah, I don't, I, I, I did not like Kurt Russell's character. I did like, he, he, 
it was all monologue. I feel like most of the stuff that he did was just kind of like hanging out, telling his backstory. Um, yeah, he was Kurt most Russell, of the like uneven tonal shift was the things his character had to do. Yeah, yeah. But Kurt Russell himself gave a tremendous performance. Yeah. <laughs> that guy is gold. Can I yeah. talk about um, some of those like violent and then goofy shit scenes that I was yes. referencing earlier? Yeah, so hit it. Obviously, the two like most violent or the three, I guess, most violent things in this movie that I can recall are, um, you know, the big death scene where Yondu just like goes on a killing spree in his own ship with that arrow, which I did think was awesome. Like I was a big fan of that scene, but Mm -hmm. I do think it was like a particularly violent scene that we don't usually get in Marvel movies. Another particularly violent scene was, um, more emotionally violent, I would say, was them, again, on Yondu's ship, them putting all those other, um, like, thieves out into space to die. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was real dark, y'all. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> getting, being killed that way out in space is a way scarier way to die than, like, getting shot or getting an arrow through the head. And I think that, like, I just think of like younger people watching this movie because of like baby Groot and stuff. And that being like a really intense thing to witness. Well, both um, of those things were like directly juxtaposed with something that, like you said, was so Saturday morning cartoon, like whenever Groot had to go get the visor and that was, I thought it was so funny, but it was like it, Tom and Jerry basically. Right. And then after that, it's just this killing spree. Yeah. And, um, another like, the whole Baby Groot stuff, I think Baby Groot is super cute, and I loved the scenes with him and the other Guardians, like, being very, like, maternal over him, you know? And, like... Oh, the opening scene was incredible. But oh my I gosh. don't think Baby Groot is funny. Like, I think that he's adorable, and I like having him in the movie, but I don't think any of the humor that comes along with Baby Groot did anything for me. Um... And another of the, like, super Saturday morning cartoon vibes was that weird-ass, like, sequence where Rocket and Yondu are, like, jumping between galaxies and their faces are just, like, warping and eyes are bulging. Yeah, yeah. that was super weird and unnecessary. Unnecessary. And again, it felt... (laughs) I laughed. uh, To me, I was like, what is happening? All of a sudden, like, the whole joke is just that their eyes are getting big and, like, their faces look weird. (laughs) Like, that's not that yeah. funny to me, and it just felt, like, very much, like, a Saturday morning cartoon. Um, so that was just a really weird sequence, I think, out of the whole movie. The other thing, this wasn't as much as graphic as the other violent scenes in this movie, but the whole concept of Ego, like, bringing all these different children he's fathered throughout the galaxy back to his planet oh, yeah. and then killing them was real dark, like, in theory. Totally. Yeah, it was horrifying. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah, I, like, d- did you guys know Ego was the bad guy I for mean, a while? No. Throughout this I knew as soon as Mantis said to Drax, like, there's something I need to tell you. Right. Like, as right. soon as that happened, I was like, oh, okay, so this is, like, he's going to be a villainous character. There's mm-hmm. something shady going on here. But I exactly. didn't know it until that moment. Yeah, same, same here. I feel I like... I didn't see it coming until they, like, 
told me it was happening. I don't know. I'm like such a sucker in these movies. They're like, and this is where we'll twist it. And I'm like, yeah, you got me there. <laughs> I had zero foresight. I feel like if there had been that, because from the beginning, it's it's weird because Peter is the one who's like, oh, maybe maybe this guy isn't a good guy. And it's Gamora who is saying, no, you should go and hang out with this random dude who showed up, which I feel like would normally be the opposite is the guy who's longing for a, a father figure is saying, hey, this guy could be my dad. This guy, you know, can help me, whatever. And it would be Gamora, the one kind of holding back. Um, and so if they'd kind of kept with that theme of them unsure if he's a good guy or bad guy, I feel like it wouldn't have it would have given the middle a little bit more focus and a little bit more because mm. basically the whole middle is just them hanging out with him and then Rocket and Yondu hanging out. Right. Which didn't really go anywhere for me. But um, yeah. What did y'all think of the I don't remember what the the race of the people was called, but these like this golden species um, that was sort of like a minor villain in the movie. Oh, yeah. Um I felt like it was one villain too many. Like, I understood why they had to have uh, them there for all the plot reasons that they were there. But I felt like if you have a father figure who is also a planet and who is good and then turns bad, like, that's enough plot going on. The fact that they split them up and had that extra element. I thought that it made for a really good opening sequence. Like Mm -hmm. I said, I loved that opening sequence. I thought it was beautiful. And then whenever... Uh, Rocket stole the batteries. I was, I was like, oh, this is a funny way to open the movie. But I would have been fine if they disappeared right then. The fact that they were included in the rest of the movie didn't do much for me. Mm. I liked them. I thought they were a ton of fun. I never viewed them as like the villain. I viewed them as kind of a foil yeah, more so. Sure. Um, I was, and I, I mean, obviously, the more Elizabeth the Becky we get, the better. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> True enough. Yeah. <laughs> she's she's fantastic. Um, and I'm I'm. I'm really excited that hopefully she'll be in more stuff, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. I was so into like just the design of that alien species. Um, oh, true. They looked incredible. Um, I love the, just the concept of like this, you know, race of aliens that like are so conceited and yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and I love like their whole like video game system for like attacking, mm-hmm. like for a military. Um, I just I was really into them um, as a part of this universe. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, I thought the concept and the execution were really cool and interesting just in the the plot movement of this movie, I guess is mm-hmm. what I was. Yeah. Against. But yeah, I agree with you totally. Um, do we want to talk about the. Um, what are they called? The stingers at the, the end. stingers. Yeah. The five stingers in this yes. movie. All five of them. Uh, yeah. I, this is the most I've been like, wait, what? In post (laughs) sequences in a long time. And I looked them up and I was like, oh, okay. I've heard of those characters. But yeah, it was so funny how much it was just like the fanniest of fan service. In our theater, there was like two people who went, oh my God. And everyone else was looking around like, what, what's going on? Right. Are you guys a fan of Stingers in general for Marvel movies? Yeah, I am. Um, I would I would prefer them to do stingers than to try to like shove some of this stuff in the actual movie. Right, one hundred percent. The whole like preteen Groot stinger that we got, 
I thought yeah. that was hilarious. And I love obviously that. that wouldn't fit anywhere in the story or need to be yep. po- probably need to be in the next movie. Um, but that was like the perfect example of like, I don't, I can do five stingers if they're not all like, if it's not five setting up five new movies, you know what I mean? Right. Um, like right. that yeah. root stinger was just a fun, it was basically like a deleted scene, you know? Um, yeah. And I was into that. What do we have? We have, that Groot And I was one. also stoked that it meant we weren't getting more baby Groot in the next movie. Right. Yes. Like, he'll definitely. be fully grown in the next movie, which yeah. is exciting. Yeah. Or, see, I don't know if he will be fully grown. I think he... I think it, they said... He'll they at least be, be a teenager. Right. So they're saying that the, the Groot we saw is pre-teen Groot in that stinger. So I'm wondering yeah. if we're going to get teenager Groot or full-grown Groot. I'm crossing my fingers I think fingers we'll get teenager, teenager Groot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did read an interview with James Gunn, him saying that... This Groot that we are seeing now doesn't retain any of the memories of the Groot in Guardians 1. And so Yes. Oh. This Groot he's, is he's basically a new character. Is, yeah, growing into like a new character essentially. Interesting. I didn't know I didn't realize yeah. that. Yeah. So this mm-hmm. new Groot might have like a little bit of a different personality. You know, obviously there's some things that are going to be the same, but mm-hmm. um yeah, that like it's technically a new character. I think that's that like that that's also what made me just love the opening sequence of of just everybody caring for baby Groot. It's 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 yeah. uh what is it? It's Fast and Furious. Yeah, it's, it's family. It's it's a big family all revolving around so, yeah. Vin Diesel. I'm trying to remember yeah. what all the five stingers were. We had teenager Groot, we had the we Stallone. Had Cre- uh what's his name? Cragling with the arrow? Oh, Trevor that's right. It. And see, again, that one, like, I mean, that's just a fun little scene that's not mm-hmm. setting anything up. Um, yeah. Well, he may end up being a hero in these in the next movies where he uses the arrow in a mm-hmm. slightly different way than Yondu did. Or do we think right. he's going to be part of the Guardians, not like an official member, but like, you know, he was he was on the same ship as them. And right, he was calling right. J- yeah, no. Peter Quill Captain. James, James Gunn said he's not a guardian, but he is adjacent to the guardians. Yeah. So I think he'll be he'll be hanging around yeah. in future movies. Um we had the Stallone gang coming together, which mm-hmm. could which possibly was, setting up a movie, correct? Yes, uh, that possibly the, setting up Guardians of the Galaxy three. Yes. Oh. That was the original Guardians of the Galaxy crew from back in, in the original the very comic first books. of the comics. Um and so it's basically saying that those first guardians also existed in the movie universe before and we just didn't see him before gotcha and then we have and miley cyrus we didn't mention that what miley cyrus is the robot in that original <laughs> crew oh i did the robot that. character yeah so she's probably yeah. going to be in guardians 3 huh, interesting did we have yeah. a stinger with elizabeth Debicki um setting up the adam character mm-hmm. yes which is huge Adam is an enormous character in the world of Marvel Comics. Yeah. So, like, that is... I don't know whether or not that's going to be involved in the big Avengers Infinity War. I don't think it is. Uh, I think he said that Adam isn't in Infinity War, but he is in Guardians 3. Yeah. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. So, wait, have we... Is that all five? We had... Uh, and then we have the Stan Lee cameo. Oh, that's the right. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, and now that, that yeah. one is also a just-for-fun one. But it also kind that. of it also kind of sh- shows that Stan Lee is the same character in all of his cameos. Right. It is Which fun. is really fun. So we'll see. I, I, I liked it. I, I thought it was fun. 
Like, if I'm going to sit through all the credits, put more cutscenes in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, the one thing is, when you do have five stingers, you don't have the gravitas of the one stinger at the end that shows you something you didn't think you'd get to see. You know what I mean? Like Agreed. That is true. The idea of, like, watching a movie, waiting through all of the credits... And then there's this one stinger that shows you something new from, like, a new movie mm-hmm. that is, like, really exciting. Yeah. Um, that is a really fun feeling that you get – that gets, like, depreciated when you have five stingers. Yes. Totally. I yeah. think another thing that gets depreciated with this is how impact emotionally impactful that ending was. Because basically the end is this, you know, it's uh, Yondu's death and then all these people who – like had written him off come back and attend this funeral and it's this awesome you know like band of thieves with their code all coming together to celebrate a fallen brother thing and it's so well done and i think a lot of times we don't get you know i Sandra, i know you said like a, a lot of times there are these deaths in this but it's rare that it's the end of a movie um and i think that that can do something really potent emotionally to end a movie with that kind of bittersweet uh feeling yeah and then whenever you put five stingers on it by the end of it i was just like oh fun like i'd forgotten that it was bittersweet at all emotionally um so that's i mean neither here nor there like i said i loved these stingers and i would so much rather them do this than put them like cram them in the movie um on bruce wayne's computer but it's like yeah it does dilute it one one thing I'm not excited about is if Stallone is in Guardians of the Galaxy 3, I need him to talk less and fight more. I, I could get He's, into that. He I is think not, he could be goofy, though. He is not great at saying lines. He is much better at doing things, and that's what I want from him is just that. Because in this movie, he got had to say a lot more than I think he was comfortable saying. <laughs> so I don't know, Lucas. But. I mean, I see where you're coming from. Um, but I also remember Stallone in, um, Creed this, like, what was it? Two years ago. And he was incredible. Like that's different though, because he's talking about like fighting and New York and stuff that he knows. Whereas here he's talking about like blasters and, you know, funeral cannons and stuff like that. Yeah. Huh? Well, I mean, he was in the expendables, which is very (laughs) sci-fi. That is true. That is true. I never saw any of those movies. I shouldn't act like I have. But yeah, I think he could be, I don't know. I, if he like travolted out a little bit, got a little self-referential, uh, had some fun with, by contradicting his public persona. And I don't know. I think it could be good. It could be very bad. But it could be bad. I, it I could think be both. Yeah. It's, if they put him at like, if they made him... I don't know, the new Iron Man or something, I'd be like, screw this. But because they put him in this kind of fun, open-ended, not well-known character, I think they have the latitude to do a lot of fun stuff with Yeah, it. I mean, I think that this specific Marvel franchise is wacky enough for Stone to like yeah. really ham it up. Which I would be very into. Yeah. So sorry, Lucas, you're outnumbered. Everyone in the world likes it. Hey, Based I'm, on our sample of three. I'm I'm rooting for Stallone. I want Stallone to do well. I'm just saying. I want him to do more action than talking. Lucas, why do you hate Stallone so much? You can go home, Lawson. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm done. I'm done. Uh, 
I think that's all I have. Was there anything else you guys wanted to touch on while we're spoiling things? I'm good. I'm good. Great. I thought it was a ton of fun. Great way to start the summer. I recommend everybody go see it. Uh, you won't be dis- as long as you like Marvel movies, like you said, you won't be disappointed. If you have any other thoughts, we would love to hear them. Uh, feel free to tweet at us at feelingitpod or send us an email at feelingitpod at gmail.com or you can follow us personally online or tweet or whatever you want to do. Lucas, where can we find you online? I'm everywhere at Lucas and Stuff. Sandra. I'm Sandra Omstutz, and you can find me on all social platforms at Sandra Omstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. And you can find me on all social platforms at Lawson West. Thank you guys so much. We'll talk to you later. Thank you. Goodbye, now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it? Go home? Yep. Moving along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 